Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. We are a multi-site church based in the Bay Area and online. You can find more information by going to brave.church. Now, thanks for joining us. We hope this talk helps you find and follow Jesus. Hey, welcome to Brave Church Online. Hey, we're so glad that you're here. Today, we are kicking off the first part of our series, looking at the book of Acts. And as we get started, I want to encourage you to ask two questions. The first is, what is the main thing that God is saying to me? Um, This might be something that you hear in the talk, or it could be a word or something specific that pops out to you in the passage. And this is really important, uh, a really important question to always be asking ourselves. And the second is we wanna take that question further and we wanna consider how can you apply it to your life, okay? How does what stood out to me from God convict me, challenge me, encourage me, or, or what does it reveal to me? And what am I going to do with it? How will my life change for the better if I respond and obey God's word? Uh, When it comes to following Jesus, we never stop growing. It's a whole life thing, which requires intentionality on our part. And so for the next four weeks, um, we're going to be inviting you to come on a journey of growth. Okay, we're getting back to the heart of the matter when it comes to God's vision for God's people. Church as Jesus intended. So you guys ready? You ready to get into this? Okay, week one, the movement. Um, If you're taking notes, you can write down the title of today's talk is How to Join and the Holy Spirit. How to Join and the Holy Spirit. Because really what we're talking about in this first week is how to join the movement and really what this movement is powered by. How do we do the stuff that God calls us to do? So let's begin reading our passage, Acts 1, verses 1 through 8. It says, In the former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority. For you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay, let's pray before we continue. God, I just pray right now that your spirit that so powerfully worked in the lives at the start of this movement of these these men and these women and these children that were a part of this thing. God, I pray for an outpouring of your spirit in our lives. God, I pray that it would begin to highlight and to show us things that we would otherwise not even see. God, I pray that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. 
hey, everybody wants to be part of a movement. And there are all kinds of movements. There's good ones, there's bad ones. I mean, they really aren't all good. Just watch HBO or Netflix where cult documentaries are trending big time. I mean, I've watched a few and my main takeaway is stay away from Central Oregon. <laughs> Just don't go there, okay? Friends don't let friends go to Central Oregon. Now, to be fair, there are lots of other movements that are also kind of crazy. You know, we've got Burning Man. Uh, the Bay Area has its own history uh, of cults and kind of weird stuff, right? But there are lots of great movements, and even companies can be seen as a great movement. I mean, here in the Bay Area, we have companies like Apple and Google, and they want you to live, work, and die spending your whole life as a part of their movement. I mean, this is part of their vision. Their campuses are really exciting places to be, okay? They design their companies to become movements. I read a book by Ed Catmull called Creativity Inc. a few years ago, and it describes the culture of Pixar with this cult-like, movement-like feel. Not all movements are good. Not all movements are bad. But what we know is true throughout history is that human beings want to be part of movements. We all long to be connected to something that is bigger than ourselves. This last week with over 100 teachers and our entire church and operations staff, we gathered for an all-team rally. We worshiped God together. I gave a talk, we prayed for the new school year, and we had tacos, and it was so much fun. But one of the best parts of the day was looking around and feeling the collective sense that we're a part of something that is so much bigger than us, something that matters, something that will change the lives of students and families for good. We're a part of a movement that helps people flourish. The desire to join a movement is a good thing. If the Bible is true, and I believe it is, that desire isn't just birthed in human insecurity. It's not just loneliness. It's not our weakness. It's something deep in the wiring of all of our lives for significance. We want our lives to matter. The book of Acts is a story of a movement called the church. It's a story of how people join this movement and it's a story of what moved them. See, before we look at our, our passage, I just wanna take a few moments to share my personal reasons for joining this movement. I wrote these down. I find peace in Jesus that I can't find anywhere else. I can trust Jesus to meet my needs. I gain a spiritual family that can be even closer than the one I was born into. I find incredible joy serving in Jesus's name. I get to join with God in his work of destroying evil and creating peace. It's, it's incredible what we get to be a part of. I get to join a community where the spirit of God is working. I am accepted by Jesus and by grace, I become more of who I was created to be. I get to be part of the solution rather than resigning to a cynical view of life. I can't imagine my life without Jesus. See, this is why I'm giving my life to this movement that Jesus came to start. Today, we're gonna talk about how to join the Jesus movement, a movement of people who gather on Sundays. You know, we need this time together. It reminds us we're not the only ones. We're not alone. For those who have been watching online, hey, for some of us, that's all we have during this season. But we all need more than just online, okay? A movement of people who worship and serve. Last Wednesday, here in the Bay Area, we had a Sikh night. 
And the next one is August 29th. We can't wait for those times of collective worship. We just have this extended time to praise God and also find teaching on other things that we, that we do in a different context than Sunday. Uh, we've got serving teams that we're a part of. Our serving teams become family. They become community. Fast Track is the on-ramp to getting involved, to joining these things. We've got another round of Fast Track coming up. Hey, a movement of people who live life together. Just last night, I heard that our youth were at In-N-Out until like 1 in the morning. And then I was going to get my coffee the next day. I was going to Phil's Coffee this morning. I see a car with a bumper sticker that says Brave. And I'm like thinking, who am I going to run into that I know in there? And it's a whole group of our students. Like they were just out till 1 a.m. at In-N-Out. And here they are at like 7.30 in the morning at Phil's. I love it. That's a group of people that are living life together. So how do we join this movement? There are three things that we really need to know here in Acts 1-8 that lay the entire foundation for this movement. Three truths that really serve as an on-ramp to joining. So at the start of it all, when things shifted from being personally discipled by Jesus, their teacher and their rabbi who they were walking with and living life with, when it shifted from this phase to a movement that would reach to the ends of the earth, how did they join it? And what gave them the power to accomplish their mission? A couple thousand years later, how can we still join it today? The first thing that we need to understand about how we join this movement is this. Number one, recognize you are being called by God. Recognize that you are being called by God. In verse eight, when Jesus said, and you will be, He's talking to the disciples, but he's also talking to you and me. See, see, we're gonna talk more about his mission and what that means in the coming weeks, but that said, it's an important starting point to recognize that we didn't choose ourselves. God invited us. He invites all of us. He initiated this invitation and he still invites us today. Timothy Keller says this, he says, the gospel is an exclusive truth but it's the most inclusive, exclusive truth in the world. God calls everyone. And to say yes to this calling is to say yes to him and him alone. In other words, you can't join this movement among many other movements, okay? Jesus's intention is that this movement will be the movement that your life revolves around if you say yes to following him. God wants you, no matter what you've done, no matter what you haven't done, no matter who you voted for, regardless of your family background, where you were born, the color of your skin, if you think you're good enough, listen, there are no prerequisites to this offer. God calls you to join his mission. You belong here. The pandemic has been a huge catalyst for change in our world and in our lives. A lot of people are changing jobs right now. It's like after months or years of commuting, people have had a timeout moment and they're like, man, do I really wanna do this? Is this what I want my life to look like? Am I happy with this job? So now they're exploring, well, what else is out there? And one of the main ways that people do this is on LinkedIn. We're updating our profiles. We're we're hoping to get noticed. We're hoping that somebody will, will see us and send us a message and it'll lead to a better offer. Listen, God isn't choosing you because your LinkedIn profile looks so good. He chooses you because of all the ways that he could accomplish his mission on earth. By grace, he chooses to work through people. 
Luke 9, 1, it says this. It says, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. See, God works through people. He gives people power and authority. Uh, Listen, there's a lot of talent in this church and a lot of potential. But what God is calling us to is way bigger than our abilities. Witnessing Jesus to the world requires way more than our talents. If you haven't noticed, the world can be a tough audience. Yet God invites us and he offers us this great privilege, but it also comes with great responsibility. So number one, recognize that you are being called by God. And number two, accept that this calling is bigger than you. Accept that this calling is bigger than you. Verse eight, it says, and you will be my witnesses. God's plan is for the world to know him, that everyone would hear the message of Jesus Christ. These are real people whose lives have been changed by knowing God. People who can say, this thing is real. And not because I understand it, but I've experienced it. It's people being able to say, this is my Jesus story. They can tell you his story, but they can also tell you how Jesus' story became a personal story in their lives. See, when, when the disciples started sharing their Jesus story, this little grassroots movement that began in their homes and in their towns and in their neighborhoods and in their cities, it was going to go global. And how exciting is that? But think about this. Can you imagine how intimidating that would have sounded at the very beginning? That their leader and mentor and teacher would cast this huge vision and then he'd say, see you guys later, (laughs) it's up to you now. Like, here you go, here's what I want you to accomplish and now it's your move. But this was a big shift from what the movement had been up to this point. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you were way outside of your abilities, right? I'll never forget when the doctor handed me a baby, okay? Boom, your move. (laughs) That's one of the biggest your move moments in my life. I remember bringing that baby home from the hospital for the first time and just hoping to keep it alive, okay? Just hoping this baby wouldn't get hurt. Every little bump on the road, every twist, every turn, I hadn't been that nervous since I got my driver's license, right? Or, or, Or a promotion at work. Right? Maybe it's, it's a big deal. You're thinking, man, I'm going to have to fake it till I make it. It's only a matter of time before they see who, I'm, who I really am or what I'm really capable of. Anybody been there? I mean, gosh, I had a moment like that this last Sunday. <laughs> or you're a teacher and, and it's your first day uh, of school teaching a new class with new students that you haven't even met yet. We've all found ourselves in moments where if we're honest, deep down inside, we know we're not enough. We might even feel like a fraud because what we know to be true is that our current abilities are not enough to be successful. See, sometimes in life, it's just a matter of time and growth and growing into things. But listen, make no mistake about it. For the disciples that Jesus was handing over the leadership of this movement to, this was way bigger than their abilities. Nobody stood a chance Nobody could pull off what Jesus was asking them to do. And Jesus knew it. And with with every transition, you know, every passing of the baton that that we're brought back to uh, as the church, 
there's an important truth that we have to recognize, and that is that we cannot fulfill God's mission on our own. And I'm not talking about just needing each other. Yes, we need each other, but we also need something else. You can write this down. You can't do the purpose of Jesus without, without the power of Jesus and the people of Jesus. You cannot do the purpose of Jesus without the power of Jesus and the people of Jesus, okay? Did you know, and you might think this is blasphemous, but hear me out, okay? Did you know that Jesus being fully human by himself wasn't powerful enough, okay? He needed something else that gave him the ability to fulfill his purpose. He needed disciples, people around him, but he also needed something else. Jesus needed the help of the Holy Spirit. Jesus experienced everything it was to be human. He was fully God, but he was also fully human. Jesus isn't God pretending to be human. Jesus is God and he was human. Think about it. Jesus got hungry. Jesus got tired. Jesus was tempted. Jesus even died. Okay, my professor, Gary Bershears, who was with us this last Sunday, he says it this way. He says, he laid down the God card as if he had an all access card that could get him anywhere, allow him to do everything and know everything. And when he came to earth to be fully human, he surrendered that card to live as a truly human person. So the question then is this, if Jesus is God and human, where does he get his power from? Because this movement had to be powered by something. Every great move of God is powered by the Holy Spirit. The powerful things that God wants to do in your life, in your family, in, in our church, comes from one source, the Spirit of God. So how do you join the movement? Number one, recognize that you are being called by God. Number two, accept that this calling is bigger than you. And lastly, number three, receive the Holy Spirit. Verse eight says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power. There's a lot to unpack here. Okay, and that's an understatement. In fact, we're gonna be talking about the Holy Spirit a lot in this series. Okay, the Bible talks about two baptisms. We read this in Acts 1. Two baptisms, the baptism of John in water and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Last I checked, we're a church that believes in both. So we need to create an opportunity for both. And so here's why, let's talk about this. In this verse, Jesus is introducing us to the Holy Spirit. It says the spirit is gonna come on you. And when it does, you will receive power. What for? To be a witness here, there, and to the ends of the earth. So before we talk about receiving the spirit, let's answer this big question, okay? What is the Holy Spirit? One of the three persons of God, also known as the Trinity. God is triune, made up of three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is also the power of God. Gordon Fee, a professor who taught at Gordon Cornwell, has a great definition for the Holy Spirit. It's just three words, God's empowering presence. The person of God, power the, to empower people, and the presence to make God known. If you think of the Holy Spirit and you think of people doing weird things that make you uncomfortable, if you think of it, or if you think of it as just a, a feeling during worship that you feel sometimes, and other times you're like, where'd it go? What happened? 
Or, or if you're not a follower of Jesus and you think of it as a mystical thing that a whole lot of people believe in or some people believe in and you're not so sure about it, listen, the Holy Spirit isn't confusing, okay? We may not always understand what God does, but as mysterious as God can be at times, by definition, the Holy Spirit is not confusing. The Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. And so this helps us to be like Jesus. And throughout this series, we're gonna be looking at what that means and how we can cultivate more of God's empowering presence in our lives. If you're not a follower of Jesus or it's your first time at church, hey, first time tuning in, you probably have a lot of questions right now, okay? Or maybe you've been attending for a while and you still probably have a lot of questions right now and that's okay. We all have questions. Listen, stick around, explore them with us. You've got nothing to lose. Skeptics are welcome here. We love it when people who don't know Jesus come around. It's one of the signs that we're actually participating in God's mission. In fact, the spirit of God is the most welcoming and friendly presence in the room. I believe that one uh, of the signs of a healthy church is that it is true and that it is truly being led by the spirit is it becomes more aware and more considerate of those who don't know God. So even if you don't believe You've got nothing to lose, okay? If you join us for these next few weeks, you're gonna find out what we really believe about this movement, our mission, and the Holy Spirit. And so here's the point. In order to answer this call and to do our part in this mission, we need a power greater than ourselves. We need the empowering presence of God. We need the Holy Spirit. In the first verse of this book, it says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach, okay? The power for the things that Jesus did came from the Holy Spirit, which is the same power, the same power that lives in us. This is what powers the Jesus movement. All throughout the gospels, we see accounts of Jesus performing miracles. Miracle stories show us what a human being walking around with the power of God looks like. Jesus is the example of what could be in his followers' lives when they receive the Holy Spirit. Everything Jesus did was by the power of the Holy Spirit. Followers of Jesus, we have been invited to receive this power and to do the kinds of things that Jesus did. Jesus said in John 14, he said, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. So what are these works? These, these works are miracles like healing and casting out demons and all kinds of stuff. In John 14, Jesus even says, he says, and they will do even greater works than these. Now, a lot of people debate what this could mean, okay? Jesus resurrected people from the dead. He cast out demons. He walked on water. He ascended to heaven. I mean, I'm not sure what could be greater than that, but people debate this. And what most scholars have concluded is that great is referring to quantity, as his followers now empowered by the Holy Spirit, we will be a greater witness to more people. Jesus's body is now in us. It's represented in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of God can be in every neighborhood, every apartment building, every classroom, every city. The Holy Spirit is an exponential multiplier of God's power and God's presence. Jesus said, I will ask my father to give you another advocate who will give you a spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is how we do the work of God. And cultivating this work in our lives can start simply by regularly asking ourselves the question, God, 
How do you want to use me? How should I evangelize? Who should I pray for? What should I say? What questions should I ask? What good can I do for him or for her? This is asking the spirit of God to come into your life and to start leading you and showing you things that only God can show you. Last week during one of our high, uh, one of our service, at the end of our service, one of our high school students told me that she saw a lion walking around the room during worship. To some of you, that sounds crazy. To her, it was a sign and an assurance that God is with us. Scripture sometimes refers to God as a lion. See, learning to live a spirit-led life is learning to live with God at the front of your mind. The Holy Spirit allows us to feel close to God. Holiness is to be set apart for God's special purposes. The more of the Spirit of God that is cultivated in us, the more holy our lives become. And I'm not talking about being this perfect angel, okay? In many ways, a holy life looks just like everyone else on the outside. It's the way you live from within that really matters. It's not whether or not you have tattoos or piercings or you dress a certain way. Okay, a sign of spirit, a spirit-led life is that instead of mirroring the culture of the world, a culture of greed and hate and violence and lust and jealousy, instead of those things, who you are on the inside becomes more and more generous and loving and patient and pure and focused on helping others. You can look similar on the outside, but how you live from within starts to change. It bears what the Bible refers to in Galatians 5 as the fruits of the Spirit. So in conclusion, how do we join the movement? We accept the call. We embrace the empowering presence of God's Spirit. We start sharing our Jesus story because God isn't just calling us. He's calling our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers. If you bow your heads and join me, I wanna pray for you as we close. You know, we're just getting started. It's week one. As you can tell, there is so much more to come. But I just wanna pray for you that, that this would mark a moment, a day, a period in your life where the Spirit of God begins to work in a greater way. God, I pray right now for every person uh, that is watching and listening. And God, I pray for your Spirit to quicken their hearts, quicken their souls, give them a hunger for more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for the Brave Church podcast. If this ministry is impacting you, please consider giving to support what God is doing through our church. For questions or to get connected, please visit brave.church. We'll see you next week.